Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Shared joy is double joy. Shared sorrow is half a sorrow. It's a Swedish proverb, true everywhere. In Pali, the language of the Buddha, shared joy, mudita, translates as sympathetic or altruistic or vicarious joy, the joy that arises in the shared delight of other people's good fortune. It is considered one of the highest states of being, the so-called divine abodes of the mind, the heavenly abodes. The Pali word for the heavenly abodes is Brahma Viharas. There are four of them. In addition to shared joy, can you imagine what mind states are considered divine? They are loving kindness, compassion, and equanimity. Note that three of them, loving kindness, compassion, and sympathetic joy, three of the four highest, most profoundly liberated frames of mind have to do with our relationships to others. The fourth, equanimity, is the spaciousness and peace we cultivate and experience in response to our hearts being moved by holding the whole earth in our hands. Shared joy is traditionally regarded as the most difficult of the four to cultivate. Knowing this makes it easier to understand one of my favorite stories about the Dalai Lama. In 1990, His Holiness met with a group of Western researchers and Buddhist teachers at the third Mind and Life Conference in Dharamsala, Indian. Sharon Salzberg, co-founder of the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts, asked him how to help her students with their feelings of worthlessness and shame. The other Western participants eagerly awaited His Holiness's response because they'd all encountered this issue among their own students. The Dalai Lama, who speaks excellent English, turned to his translator for an explanation of the question. They began a lengthy, increasingly rapid conversation in Tibetan, and finally it seemed the translator was successful. When His Holiness understood the question, he was surprised. He had never heard of such a condition. He asked the participants if they were certain their students and their patients really suffered from this problem. They assured him that they did. They saw it in the people with whom they worked and even in themselves, incredulous. He pointed each one and said, 
Do you experience this? You? Do you? They all nodded yes. He seemed genuinely shocked. Why, he asked, would you dislike yourself? In other words, the Dalai Lama couldn't grok it because there is no Tibetan word for self-esteem, let alone a Tibetan experience of what we in the West know so well as low self-esteem. His Holiness exhorts us to share others' joy, perhaps if for no other reason than the, ch than the chances of increasing our own, multiplying our chances of joy by that of the entire population of the earth, approximately 6,896,500,000 to one. That's good odds. Shall we reconsider low self-esteem? Reverend T. Wyatt Watkins is the author of Unfettered Wonder, Rediscovering Prayer Through the Inspired Voices of Children. He tells the story of his son Seth's evening prayer, which includes his gratitude for soccer and cinnamon rolls and himself. Seth prays, thank you, God, for me. Imagine. The problem with love of self is why shared joy is more complex than it appears at first blush, more complicated for those of us in the West than it might be for other good people. Here's Buddhist teacher Sylvia Borstein to give us the view. Years ago, she writes, Jerry Rice, the San Francisco wide receiver, was interviewed by Al Michaels during the halftime of the 49ers versus Saint game, Saints game on Monday night football. They talked about the various league records Rice already held. Al asked, Al asked, which other records would you like before you retire? Jerry smiled and said, I'd like them all. And then Al asked, of all the greatest moments in your career, which stands out for you as the greatest? It was when we won Super Bowl 23, Jerry replied. It was my first Super Bowl. In the last two minutes of the game, Joe Montana threw a pass to John Taylor, who was in the end zone. John Taylor caught that pass, but I felt as if I had caught it. That's shared joy. Sympathetic, altruistic, shared joy. There was more than enough joy to go around. In that moment, who caught the ball was actually a little bit beside the point. Everyone was ecstatic. But, writes Sylvia Borstein, I think we feel, often feel, almost altruistic joy. Something wonderful happens to someone else and we feel genuine delight and then, into the mind sneaks the thought, hmm, I'd like a little of that particular good fortune myself. Someone wins the lottery. There it is on the news or even in a commercial, a woman opens her door and is presented with a check for $10 million. Sylvia writes, I have some moments of genuine pleasure as I see the amazed winner laughing and crying with happiness. 
And then I think something such as, I wonder what I'd do if that happened to me. Of course, I remind myself immediately, I would give most of it away. At least 75% of it, maybe 50%. And then I'd give the rest to my children. They could pay off their mortgages, but then I remember they are doing fine on their mortgages. I'll put it into trust funds for my grandchildren's college education, but then I think, hey, it's at least 10 years before the oldest starts college, and who knows what Colin will be like at that time or how colleges will be. Maybe Seymour and I could take one of those three-month freighter trips around the world. No, we can't do that. He hates boats. In a matter of seconds, the mind fills with schemes for personal pleasure, all out of nowhere. And the truth is, before the person on television appeared with her check, Sylvia was feeling pretty happy. She writes, I begin to feel envy. I remember myself, I reprimand myself by thinking, what's the matter with you, Sylvia? Your cup runneth over. And then here's the most beautiful thing Sylvia Borstein has to say about all this. It's not a question of whether or not the cup runs over. The world is so full of wonderful things. There is no end of things to put into the cup. But when we see clearly, there really is only one cup. In Super Bowl 23, she concludes, when Joe Montana threw that touchdown pass, John Taylor was in the right place. Jerry Rice's mind was also in the right place. Here's a beautiful poem to go on. I'm going to read it to you twice. It was written by Polish poet and Nobel laureate Czesław Miłosz. It's called Love. Love means to look at yourself the way one looks at distant things, for you are only one thing among many. And whoever sees that way heals their heart without knowing it from various ills. A bird and a tree say to you, friend, then you want to use yourself and things so that they stand in the glow of ripeness. It doesn't matter whether you know what you serve. Who serves best doesn't always understand. Love means to learn to look at yourself the way one looks at distant things, for you are only one thing among many. And whoever sees that way heals their heart without knowing it from various ills. A bird and a tree say to you, friend, then you want to use yourself and things so that they stand in the glow of ripeness. It doesn't matter whether you know what you serve. Who serves best?
doesn't always understand. Beloved spiritual companions, let's get our minds in the right place and our hearts and our hands, open minds, open hearts, open hands. Cultivating shared joy, double joy, offers us the opportunity to make of earth a heavenly abode. May we reconsider the meanings of self-esteem and seek to live with loving kindness, compassion, equanimity, and shared joy. Whoever sees that way, whoever serves that way, heals their heart. Thank you, God, for you. Amen.